Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Welcome to this holiday podcast edition of Bloomberg Business of Sports. As we do each and every week, we'll explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And helping us to do that is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi williams All right, guys, let's get right to it. Baseball is in the air, pitchers and catchers. Spring training is underway. Opening day, believe it or not, next month, March 29th. That's the earliest opening day in Major League history. Woohoo! And one of the more interesting storylines will be the New York Yankees. The team was one game away from the World Series last year and then changed managers. And out goes Joe Girardi. In comes Aaron Boone. It was special walking down the hall, walking into the clubhouse, into my office, walking down to the dugout for the first time, kind of getting a lay of the land and feeling the facilities a little bit and, you know, understanding that now is the time and the excitement that goes with that because of the group of guys that we've assembled. Now you have new leadership for the Yankees. What is the team going to look like? It's going to look like it looked like last year, except with a really big right-handed bat in the middle of the lineup. That's going to hit the ball really, really far. It's going to hit the ball far. And uh, if you want to buy seats for Yankee Stadium, I suggest uh, left center field, left field, (laughs) if you want to catch some home runs. Listen, it's a good team. They were a year ahead of schedule last year. That's the fact. They were planning for these young guys to come up and become household names. It happened a year early. So now it's engines are revving. How does everybody capitalize it? And that means the team, the Yes Network, they are acting in concert to capitalize on every win and every new star that this team produces. And part of that capitalization is, is looking at the rest of the New York sports landscape. It's, it's pretty bleak right now. Uh, the Knicks and Nets have not been good. The Mets Ooh. aren't looking great. Uh, the the hockey teams in concert have not been amazing. Uh, the Yankees are looking at this like this is their city uh, again. Evan, why did you like skip the was. football teams? <laughs> 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 My fault. Yeah. Like, even the guy from Detroit is laughing. The Yankees have yeah, the best quarterback in, in, in New York. Yeah, the Yankees have the best quarterback in New York, right. Yeah, so there's an opportunity here, obviously, for the Yankees, not just to, to, to be better than they have been in the past couple of years, uh, but but this is a city that is not doing all that well from a sports standpoint. Uh, and if you can be the champion in New York, obviously, that is a, that is a tremendous business opportunity. So three jerseys that's going to sell for the Yankees, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and now Giancarlo Stanton. You know, we haven't looked into the Stanton sales. I wonder where they are right now. I'd imagine they're pretty good, but the fact that Aaron Judge is, you know, the the homegrown guy had an extra year here, it might not be as good as if he had gone to a team that didn't have a fan favorite and a star. Like I'm that. interested to see the batting lineup. I mean, the order. Yeah. Does, I, do you put Judge at two? Because he's going to get you protect him, so maybe fewer strikeouts because you can't pitch around him so much, and you might have a man on base ahead of him, which of course you know. Pitchers have to pitch from the stretch. Uh, the batting averages go up. Do you put Judge number two and then Stanton number three? Interesting. I mean, he might not be the Cleveland pitcher. The big question on this team on the field, the pitching staff, starting pitching st- staff specifically, uh, there was talk of them going out and getting someone else in free agency. Obviously, there's still an opportunity to do that uh, because there are so many free agents still on the market. Why is that, Evan? Why are there so many free agents <laughs> on the market? We know, why, we know why the union says so. Tell me, why are there so many free agents? Yeah, so this has been a very bizarre offseason uh, from a baseball perspective. Uh, a lot more free agents, uh, good free agents, are unsigned as we head into pitchers and catchers. Some of the biggest names in free agency, guys that are expecting 
nine figure deals uh, haven't come in yet. I hate to use the C word collusion, <laughs> but is that everybody case? else is? Why shouldn't you? I'm just wondering, is that what we're seeing here? I don't think there is. I don't think the owners got together in some dark meeting and said, you know what, let's just refuse to sign players for for their value and and maybe we'll get them for cheap later on. I do think there is a, a massive market correction going on in terms of the way that play, teams are evaluating players they, we've seen in the past huge deals for guys who are 34 that is going to take them till their f- season when they're 40 owners don't seem to want to do that well, anymore. the red sox made that decision a while ago i mean that 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 was the red sox way i don't care who you are if you're a certain age goodbye because you're not going to help us hello johnny damon hello uh jacoby d Ellsbury. Yes, I did say Jake Jacoby D. Ellsbury. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and a part of this is also the the collective bargaining agreement. We've praised baseball for so long about the, their ability to stay on the field and not have a have a labor fight. But free agency starts six years into your career. If you're a standard baseball player, that's your your third you're twenty eight at that point. If if owners are really looking at thirty as kind of the over the hill moment, uh, it doesn't leave much wriggle room there. The, the players have to figure out a way to either start free agency earlier. Or, or get back to a point where they feel as though they're being compensated fairly. The question is, are revenues going down? They're making these adjustments on salaries, but are the owners still collecting the same revenue? And that we haven't seen any sort of diminution at all. And we know values are going up. I mean, that's the other thing that players are so upset about. They see, you look at these Forbes values, we talk about them all the time. The valuation of sports teams is, is skyrocketing. There's only so many of these assets out there. Every time they sell, they sell for more than they were purchased for. Uh, revenue may not be going up in the in the year to year sense, but I think players look at those billion dollar valuations of some of these baseball teams and they say, "Hey, wh- why why are we going down in salary while while the rich guy that signs our check his his property is going up?" We hear it every time during the labor talks. What about franchise values? What about franchise values? And owners say the standard response is, "I don't want to talk about franchise values because the only way for me to get it is to sell the team, and that's never going to happen. I want to keep this forever." Another story that we are following involves soccer and the Premier League and the broadcast rights. What's up with that, Evan? The Sky and BT Sport have re-upped their Premier League rights, uh, five of the seven packages for the the richest soccer league in the world, uh, and the price went down. You know, it's something that we've talked about a lot recently. Uh, we haven't quite seen it yet, at least in, on the U.S. side of things, for for these Premier rights. Um, but 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 the price that these two companies are paying. Uh, is less than what they paid the last time. And every owner is very scared right now when you say the broadcast rights are going down at a time when, again, for the first year, media is eclipsing all other sources of revenue. You wonder at the time when Fox pays more for Thursday night football, what is the barometer here? What are the market forces at work with the EPL, with these particular broadcasters, because they were hoping beyond hope. And we heard a lot of hype. Amazon is coming. Facebook is coming. They're going to be the next bidders. They did not show up for at least these parts of the package. Have we hit a saturation point? I mean, I hard to say it for soccer, but have we hit that point? That's the big question. That's what every owner right now, they're calling Richard Scudamore, the CEO of the EPL, with probably banging on their desks. What happened? Why did we not get more money? Because they always expect more money. They're giving out, parceling different rights, different ways, more games. That is the most popular and powerful league in the world. They will not be happy 
seeing those checks go down. They're going to want to know what happened. It's too early to say whether this is the start of the, the bubble bursting, of course. I mean, every each individual right has its own, you know, has its own weird intricacies. Like a couple of years ago when BT and, and Sky were bidding on these before, BT was in a very different place and willing to spend probably a bit more money than they were. Uh, so that kind of changes the dynamics, the supply and demand dynamics. Another topic, speaking of soccer, ESPN's web service is said to be gaining exclusive pro soccer rights. Yeah, ESPN, the ESPN Plus, the new over-the-top service. And if you're unfamiliar with the terminology of the industry, OTT means over-the-top means you go direct to consumer, all the same thing. You were wondering what sorts of things am I going to get if I fork over the money? You knew it wasn't going to be the premier games that are on TV. That is sacred because they need to protect that fee from every subscriber, those cable companies, they want that. Uh, but now we know at least something that's going to be there, MLS games. And the price, if you're a soccer fan, looks pretty good. You were paying $79 a year just for MLS Live, which gave you all those out-of-market soccer games. Now, for 5 bucks a month, do the math, $60, you get the same package plus whatever else... ESPN plans or hasn't announced yet that will be shown on this over-the-top network. Still remains to be seen how many people will sign up. Is soccer enough of a draw? Uh, remains to be seen. We're going to see over the next couple of months, obviously, a lot more come out about what, what's going to be in this offering. Uh, probably some college football, some college basketball, a lot of the other fringe sports that, that, that ESPN offers. Cricket might be a part of this. We may even see esports, the League of Legends deal that, that Major League Baseball's advanced media cut a couple years ago. Uh, MLS is just the first of, of what is going to be many different sports that are all going to go into this OTT package. Interesting to me, though, Eben, is that MLS has now seemingly lost all control of this. There's no M If you're looking for soccer now for this property, you don't go to Major League Soccer. You go to ESPN. Do we know the financial arrangements of this? Because Disney, the parent company of ESPN and MLS, they pulled the we don't discuss business at the dinner table. So what what is going on here with that? Well, interestingly, this was part ESPN had these rights from when they signed their contract previously. The problem ESPN found was they had no platform to show these rights. Yeah. All they had was the standard linear TV. Now you've got the launch of the OTT service. And interesting enough, by the way, March, April, that really hadn't been known that they're shooting for March, April. You might miss the start of the MLS season, but they now have the platform. Again, it's it's interesting that MLS will not have a home for these things. It's going over to ESPN. It's hard to underscore how important this ESPN Plus service is for, for ESPN. I mean, they've been talking about it for years now, it seems. Uh, they were a little late to the table uh, to, to, to get their OTT off the ground as we talk about millennials that cut the cord and people are turning away from traditional cable. Uh, this is an, a very important part of ESPN's future as the go-to home for live uh, live sports content. And like you said, soccer is just the product, but the ESPN streaming part, like you said, this is crucial for the network. We knew how important, and we now know how important this part of it puzzle is to ESPN because we know the lengths they were willing to go to to attract these younger viewers, and that was putting the Barstool Sports Show on their air, and it lasted exactly one episode. It just 
didn't work. That that content didn't work. But will this content be enough to draw? And remember, this is let's look at the demo, Eben. Soccer skews younger. Very. It's a tech savvy audience. So it's not an accident that ESPN is thinking it's not just soccer. They're not just thinking about, oh, we want the sport, we want the game. They're looking at things like what is the demographic of the audience of this property and do we want that here? And you better believe I see young, I see tech savvy, I want that audience here. And this is streaming not just a bug tussle Tennessee. We're talking around the world. I- I'm sorry, where was that? A bug tussle. That's that's from uh, I've, the I've never visited. I'm sorry. That's, that's from tussle. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with that location. <laughs> Lots of bugs and bug tussle. Uh, I, I imagine. But yeah, yeah it, this this is a global thing. This is huge. This is that's that's the beauty of the OTT. It's anybody, anywhere. You can sign up and and watch the property. More coming. I'm very anxious to see what else they're going to show. Is it going to be cricket? Is it going to be darts? Is it going to be lawn bowling? I don't know. Is it going to be leftover somehow big time sports? Some games that others don't want. Interesting. They've said there's going to be some. I believe some some NBA games perhaps. Some some lower tier. Uh, big time rights. This is how Wide World of Sports started. This is from an old schooler. You used to see barrel jumping and all the other stuff. So you're going to see these sports come back all over again. Let me see. Magnus Ver Magnuson, World's Strongest Man Competition, <laughs> back on, well, I'd say TV, but back on OTT. Just, I would watch that. Just give me curling world championships and I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Michael, we're looking at the NBA Players Union. A lot of people may not have seen this during the labor talks. One of the things the union said was, we're going to take back our marketing and licensing rights. Easy to, so what does that mean, right? Okay, so the NBA, the way it used to work was the NBA would pay the union about $40 million a year, and then the league would take all those rights and then go out and sell them to companies, video games, shoe and apparel companies, for the, giving them the right to use the player's likeness, the, the player's image. The NBA was the only union that didn't have those rights in-house. So they took them in-house, and now they're starting to flex that muscle. They signed a deal with Dentsu, the Japanese advertising agency, specializes in event management, content creation and distribution. Think of the global possibilities with the fame and the popularity of these NBA players. Well, guys, I have to ask. I mean, this, obviously, the arrangement you mentioned, (laughs) that was before even the three-point line. But now we've got this global marketing platform, not just for here in the U.S. This this could work for any basketball organization. Yeah, envision this. Shut your eyes here. We've got, what are the big events coming up? You've got a World Cup in Russia. You've got a World Basketball Championship in Asia. You've got the Olympics after this coming up in Tokyo, home of Dentsu. You're going to see NBA players staging their own events, offering up content at all of these events worldwide. This is going to be an interesting platform to capitalize on. We already know LeBron, Steph, but they're going to bring in everybody. This is designed to generate revenue that will go right back to the players. And they would not have taken them back if they didn't think they could easily get more than just the $40, $41 million payment that the that the league was making. This seems like part of a growing trend in which the PAs, the, the, the players' unions, are being a little more proactive in terms of how they market their players and how they 
bring in revenue. We saw the NFLPA a couple of years ago start Ace Media, their own media company. They started that venture fund last year that was kind of aimed at using the player's cachet as capital and working with other investors and other partners. Uh, it does seem as though players unions are now realizing, hey, the thing that really drives fan interest here might not be the team. It might be the it's players us. themselves. Right. Um, and they have a tremendous opportunity to drive some money to the players outside of the traditional collective bargaining agreement. It'll be interesting to see, and that's going to be tested because what the players cannot do, they cannot show up in their uniform. You can show me LeBron James, but he cannot be wearing a Cavaliers uniform because that's a league mark and a league trademark. They would have to negotiate a separate license with the league to do that. So that that is just a, one caveat, one they cannot do. But of the four leagues, there's no question that basketball players are the most recognizable. They yeah, you they see don't their wear faces. A helmet. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 those guys, you don't necessarily need a, a uniform. There are some football players who are famous that I think without the uniform, you might not recognize if they walk past you on the Good street. Point. I'm not sure if that's true of basketball. Well, speaking of football, we know now that the NFL, the union, they're ready to dig in their heels when this next round of bargaining comes about. What about the NBA? Are they going to dig in their heels as well? Well, this round went pretty smoothly. You're past the days of acrimony, the David Stern and Billy Hunter war of words. Um, there's so much money in the system these days that it doesn't behoove anybody to shut down a league anymore, especially the NBA. There's just so much money coming in. And those are locked in TV contracts, and the teams are worth X. There's just so much that nobody really wants to mess with it. Yeah, when you look at looming labor fights, baseball, baseball. certainly seems like a, a pretty big one, and football will be right behind it. I mean, those are two two unions that have serious problems with with the CBAs that they that they have right now. Uh, basketball, as Scott said, so much TV money coming in. Uh, their bubble did not burst, as we talked about. The Premier League, uh, I don't see it happening in the didn't, same way. Didn't Morris Smith actually say it's time, we're going to treat this as going to war? Yeah, and then the next time. So he, he's got a lot of issues, whether it's health and safety, whether it's finance. He's got a lot of issues between the, the players' union and the NFL and the league. It's the issues that they didn't focus on as hard in the last round when they were looking at the money. You know, it's stuff like Roger Goodell's power and, and, and how players are treated after they retire, concussions, health, etc. As I have said in all my years covering labor and, and throughout all of them, this is 20-plus years there are certain things that are called blood issues on the union's side, and it has always been the decimal point. The blood issue was about dollars, dollars, dollars. You may see that change in the NFL this time. It could be health and safety. It could be pension. It might be something else other than just moving the decimal point. I'm just wondering if we're going to have a canceled season because of this. Canceled season. Missing paychecks for an NFL player is not easy. I mean, for anybody, it's it's not easy. Uh, that I'd be, be hard-pressed to see them going to the lengths of wiping out an entire season. Your career is only, what, average two and a, two and a half to three years anyway. You see older guys in the league who cannot afford to sit out a season because they may not have a job the next time around. But they will certainly do their best to flex as much muscle as possible. And, as we said about there's so much money in the system for the NBA. We, we've got a digital property coming up for bid, Thursday Night Football in the NFL. They got a big boost for from Fox for Thursday Night Football. If the same thing happens on the digital side, 
you're the NFL. You're like, okay, things are rolling pretty well. Let's get back on the field. Let's keep a focus on the game. Because the one thing, the number one offseason issue for the NFL this season is to get the focus back on the game. Stop talking about anthems. Stop talking about protests. Stop talking about concussions. Talk about football. Let's not forget that Roger Goodell has a stated goal of reaching $25 billion in revenue uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, as much as we talk about how uh, metrics that are down, uh, that still seems like it's possible. You know that, that might still be realistic. And if the NFL is at $25 billion in revenue, I, I find it hard to believe that the players and, and the owners can't find a, uh, a reasonable middle ground that makes both happy. Well, first, that catch rule needs a good sponge bath because <laughs> I'm getting tired of, well, this is a catch, this is not a catch. It's like we need to clean that up first of all. Agreed, that, but that's what I you mean. You don't get that. That's what I mean by... Get the focus back on the game. You don't need people talking about rules and replay times. They want everything to go back to the game of football because that's why people tune in. That's why the advertisers are there. That's where the money is. By the way, the NFL attendance, it dropped 3% this past season. Michael, have you been to an NFL game recently? <laughs> and I, I don't want to, this is not going to be opinion, but have you been to an NFL game recently? The last one I went to was a couple of years ago. Okay, well, I, I have. I, I've been to Gillette, I've been out at the Meadowlands, I know, or Eben, you've been out there to the, to the Meadowlands. Now, this is one I know the answer to already. Michael, have you sat on your couch recently? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> There's an indentation where I'm sitting yeah. I, on a nice big screen TV. Yeah. So it's a really nice proposition, isn't it? When you've got your snacks, there's no line at the bathroom, I'm presuming in the bar household. <laughs> you've got your beverages, you're relaxing, there's no snow, there's no parking, there's no three hours to get out, there's no, let's just say, crude behavior sometimes. There is an ongoing battle, and it will continue as the at-home experience gets better. There's that sit on the couch and enjoy with your friends versus let's actually go to the game. And there is that no one has found the solution to that at the pro level. Well, what about college football? Because they're having problems also. College football attendance is dropping every year. It's I think it's eight of the last nine years. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. Colleges make their college athletic departments make their money in three ways. They get their T V money, they get donations from alumni, and they sell tickets. Uh, obviously attendance hurts Ticket sales, you know, if, you're, if people aren't going, they're not buying as many tickets. Uh, studies also show that if you don't go to games as a student or as a young alum, you're going to donate a lot less. Uh, so this hits two of the three pillars, and this is a major concern for athletic directors around the country. If they start losing interest in people going to games for the same reason Scott just said, the home experience is so much better, uh, that's going to hurt their donations and it's going to hurt their ticket sales. I was just going to say, wasn't there a problem involving the new tax rules where that deduction for buying tickets from the alumni. Michael Barr, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Yes, you're right. Yes, there. The some some wealthier donors are going to lose the deduction they get for buying tickets. Uh, and part of this is a is a is a devil's bargain that college football made a number of years ago, willing to take a lot of that TV money at the cost of their fans. The MAC conference uh, in the Midwest, uh, they play games on Tuesday and, and and Wednesday now, and they did that because ESPN wanted them in that time slot. 
But if you live in Youngstown or you live in Toledo, uh, a late November game on a Wednesday night is not a not a take your kids to the game day. You Why know? has that been picking on Ohio? <laughs> or Toledo. I think Youngstown the and I they just Ohio. pulled Youngstown and Toledo out of it. Like, why is he picking on Ohio? The point is, uh, <laughs> colleges have made this decision to take TV money over the fan experience, and that's one of the reasons attendance is going down. I'm going to point to this again, and I, and I point to this as the best example in sports, the Duke basketball student section. You go to the games, and I know Duke is perennially good, so there's always that. I get it. But it's not a bad model from the perspective of, if I was running an athletic department, I would go to the students and say, what can we do at our games that makes it so much fun that you folks, whether we were one in nine or nine in one, that you want to come with your friends and just enjoy the two hours a week? It's what, six, seven times a year. We're not talking 41, 81 games here. We're talking six or seven Saturdays. What can we do where we cannot guarantee victory? But what we want to do is make the experience so fun, so compelling, that your parents will send the money in for the tickets. So hard to do that when the team is bad and it's an outdoor Embrace seat bad. in em- November. Embrace bad. Embrace the bad. That's fine. I, there's got to be something. No wonder why you picked them in Ohio. The Cleveland Brown fans are like, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you want to know about some other angry fans? Rams fans in St. Louis. Because now they are keeping their class suit over the NFL about the team's move. Do we have any like sound queued up of people crying? <laughs> I, don't, like, I, I guess not. Really? Okay. Yes. This, this, Good this, luck. Hap- this happens many times when teams up and move. And you know, let's look around. It's, it's almost getting to the point where it's like, wait, this team. Almost every team moved, and, and they never change the name. That's another thing that bothers me. There's no lakes in LA. The Minnesota Lake, Minneapolis. Lake. There's no jazz in Utah. There's no jazz in Utah. That's New Orleans. But okay, yeah. I mean, this is this is the standard playbook for when a franchise picks up, gets in those Mayflower trucks. Sorry, Baltimore, and leaves town. This is this is what happens. See, this is what happens. Is it's a lot like when 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 someone walks out on you and your girlfriend walks out. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you Unfamiliar know. territory yes, for Evan and me. But Michael, if this is the way you want to go, right? Go right, go right ahead. This is unfamiliar for us. Hey, speaking of football and the phrase Philly special, we should have gotten on this. So there is a post-Super Bowl rush to cash in on Philly special, according to CBS. I thought that was a cheesesteak salad, you know, at Geno's or Pat's, the Philly, a Philly special. <laughs> but... I would imagine, since that was the big play where Nick Foles caught the touchdown pass, that folks in Philly would like to uh, remember it fondly. Yeah, I think some of these people that are they're putting in trademarks to, to try and sell T-shirts and things like that, I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that it's not as easy as beating everybody else to the punch in terms of filing that trademark. The Eagles obviously have a claim to this uh, because – you know they're associated uh, with with anything that involves the Philly special. Uh, I was reading that Nick Foles also has a claim to this um, because it it's something that he might be able to use to to increase his uh, endorsement and earning potential. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a clever move by Philly fans. I can't imagine that like Joe sitting on his couch in Berwyn is going to be the guy that's going to make millions of dollars off all the Philly this special t-shirts. This happens every we'll time there's a big moment or something big in sports happens. 
this happens every single time. And 99.999999, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office will determine that the mark belongs to the league, to the team, to the athlete, and not some person in Youngstown or Dayton. So just continuing with it. (laughs) (laughs) Or your place in Tennessee, whatever you said, who said, oh, I'm going to make a quick filing with hopes that I can cash in quickly. Boy, it, just imagine though. We could call it like the Okie Doke play. We, sure. You know, we should we should trademark that. Yeah, we should trademark uh, Mike Pereira. That was an illegal formation, Eagles fans. <laughs> <laughs> see, see how many of those you could actually sell in New England. Was it a catch? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's what we should trademark, Mike Pereira. That was an illegal formation. Oh my! Well, anyway, let's. Good luck to the people in Philly with their Philly special, and good luck and congratulations again to people in Philadelphia for their first Super Bowl win. And that wraps up this holiday edition of Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr, and I'm Scott Soschnick. Please join us every Friday and Saturday when we explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to the biggest names in the industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.